0: 2019. What a fun year for Platt Park Church. So October 1st, we turn 10. So why not all year celebrate, huh? Um, From my perspective, this 10 years has just flown by, and I'm very excited about the next 10 years. And what amazes me is that over 10 years, we've established a lot of traditions. In just 10 years, traditions have been established. Um, And they've been established in a couple ways. One, um, as many, some of you know, in the early days, we were just making stuff up. And so a tradition formed when we did it again and again. Now we have to do it. It's, it's a tradition. So one tradition from Christmas, maybe you experienced this, st- Silent Night by Candlelight, right? M- remember this? In the beginning, we would light the candles at the beginning of the song, and then we'd sing, and the light wouldn't even be to the back of the room by the end of the song. So we learned early on to sing a song while we light the candles so that we could sing it with lit candles. Like, we learned a lot in those early years. Um, you know, and this is a tradition that we did not repeat, but who was here the Christmas Eve when we lit the Advent wreath on fire? Who was here? <laughs> so that was so fun. But we didn't do that again, so that's not a tradition. Some things we did over and over, and it became a tradition. Other things um, we have created and established, but it was not by just sheer fun. There's other things that just took effort and showing up and persistence. And I think our elementary and kids ministry and youth ministry are great examples of just being persistent and showing up each week. Um, Allison Taylor are a great example in the youth group where in the beginning, those first couple years, you know, they would show up and be ready whether there was zero kids or three kids. And now we have like 20 kids every week, and it's, we now have like a lottery who gets to stay and who <laughs> doesn't get to participate that week because there's so many. That is not a tradition. I just made that up. But isn't it interesting just to think about how traditions form? You know, by doing it over and over and over and over, it becomes a tradition. Or by sheer just persistence, showing up and doing it, it becomes a tradition. So one of my favorite traditions um, is today um, when we get to talk about the word of the year, a tradition that began way back when just by happenstance I talked on the first day of the year and chose a word of the year, and now we're in this tradition and we have to do it. We cannot stop. So 2018, um, maybe you recall, was ridiculous love. And in 2018, we just talked about how God has lavished his love on us, and in turn, we then send that love back out to the world. So ridiculous love. And growing out of that, I think, is the word of the year for this year, 2019. Joy. Surprise. It's a whole series this year. So what comes to your mind when you hear the word joy? Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. Maybe it is a memory of an event in your life And I can think of a few joyful memories where joy just gushed up inside of me. One was when Susie and I stood facing each other, holding hands, and exchanged our wedding vows. And I just remember the joy that kind of gushed up inside of me that day. And then, ten years later, I remember the joy that just overwhelmed me when Russell was born, and I saw him for the first time, and I was just overwhelmed with joy seeing him. And similarly, when we met Lila for the first time and we just were just like overwhelmed and just wanted to just grab her up and hold her and squeeze her, and she was a bundle of joy and a lot of energy to reciprocate at that time. But maybe joy, as you think about it, is not a big event, but it's some of the regular events of life, like our traditions. Man, a couple of weeks ago, Christmas Eve, I just felt joy being together, celebrating, making Christmas special by being together for Christmas Eve. Or maybe as you think about joy, it's the flood of contentment and peace that all is well with your soul, that you are loved by God and nothing can change that. So what comes to your mind when you think about joy? And as you think about joy... Where do you feel joy in your body? How do you experience joy? I mean, how do you know that you have joy? Or alternatively, how do you know when you don't have it? Where do you feel it in your body? This past week, somebody talking about joy asked me in this podcast that she heard, she said that the podcast talked about you cannot pursue joy, it's something you cannot control. I didn't hear the podcast, but I got the idea that they were saying that joy is more like the wind. It blows where it will, and if it lands on you, it's a blessing, but you can't pursue it or control it. What do you think about that? How would you answer? Can you pursue joy? Or does joy move whimsically through our lives? Well, in order for us to choose joy as a word of the year, we have to have a bit more definition and direction around it so that we can embrace it for this year. So in the scriptures, there are several words for joy that are used, and it's used very often because very core to our relationship with God is joy. Just this idea that God is moving and acting and alive, loving and caring, and our response is joy. Joy. So here's a quick survey just of a few uses of joy from the Psalms. So, first from Psalm 5 But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. It's a great image of in the refuge of God, we take joy. Or from Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Again, a great image of just being in God's presence and experiencing joy. Psalm 65, The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns and evening fades. You call forth songs of joy. And in Psalm 90, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Again, a beautiful image of God's unfailing love and how that gushes up in our response of joy. Psalm 92, for you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. Psalm 94, what anxiety when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. And finally, from Psalm 126, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Just this great image that as God is active and moving, we respond with joy. Some of you know Daniel Fouche here at church, and Daniel writes about the importance of joy in the lives of God's people. He says that joy is not a passive or quiet response that we keep to ourselves. He gives us insight into the word that they originally had for joy, and in Acts 2.46, read this passage and then talk about this particular word for joy. But this is a passage where Paul's write, or Luke is writing about the early church and how they gathered together. And it said that they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You don't even see joy in there, but glad and sincere hearts is translating this word for wild joy, ecstatic joy. That original Greek word was Agalasius which meant wild joy. In fact, it's a compound word, two words put together. One, agon, which means much, and then halomai, which means to gush up like bubbling water. So just think of that, much bubbling up for that word for joy that they experienced. So Daniel writes that ageliasis is a joy that is like living water gushing up inside you, Overflowing. And this wild, gushing-up joy happens when we encounter God. It happens when we gather together as a community. It happens when we share the stories of God in our lives, the stories of God's provision, God's grace, God's getting us on the path, God's refuge. And sharing those stories, it reminds us and wells us up with joy within and has a sense of wonder and awe at God. So our, this source of joy is God. It is our relationship and connection to him that then produces joy in our lives. Author and professor Dallas Willard defines joy this way. He wrote, Joy is not pleasure, a mere sensation, but a pervasive and constant sense of well-being. Isn't that profound that joy is this Pervasive and constant sense of well being. As we connect to the fact that God loves us, cares for us, is involved with us, and no circumstance can change that or take it away. You know, Paul, in writing to the church in Rome, kind of revels in this idea of a constant state of well being. Paul writes, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, drink that water, and let it fill you and f- overflow with joy. Because God is the source of our joy. We are His, and He is ours. And nothing can separate us from God's love. But you might be sitting there thinking to yourself 2019. Tim, it's nice that you are choosing joy. That's cute, joy. But you don't know my year. You don't know my circumstances. You know I am not feeling this joy gushing up within me. You don't know my worries. You don't know what's going on at my work. You don't know what's going on in my marriage or with my kids or with the mess of my extended family. You don't know my next doctor's appointment. You don't know my next court date. You don't know my struggle. And I don't. That's true. But God does. God knows. And God cares. And God wants to be your refuge, your rock, your hope. So when it comes to Paul writing about this, if neither life nor death nor angel or demon can separate us from the love of God, why don't we experience that? Where is that? Why are we fearful, worried, troubled, and struggling? Huh. I think because life is hard. It's difficult. The the reality is that this isn't easy. Life at times is downright ugly and, and unbearable. That's the truth. That's our experience. And Jesus even talked about that. Jesus acknowledged, He said, In this life you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus acknowledges that, yes, life is hard. It is difficult. And at the same time, God is with you. Maybe you've noticed this tendency that we have to think that we need to be joyful all the time. Maybe you've felt that pressure. Maybe it's from like a Christian pressure to be joyful or maybe you've just simply felt like the Facebook pressure to be joyful all the time. Because everybody else is, or at least that's their postings, say. And this pressure to be joyful. And I think there's two ways that we, as Christians, can tend to fake joy. Maybe you're familiar with these. So the first way is simply to slap a frozen smile on your face and pretend that pain doesn't exist. Just kind of smile and and not go there. Sweep it under the rug. Or maybe you take the second path, which is just to embrace a glum approach to life. If you just live in the sorrow, then you'll never be disappointed. Maybe even in that kind of person, you hear somebody say, well, I have joy in the Lord, but I'm not happy about it. (laughs) Just stay glum and you won't be disappointed. Well, going back to that question, can we pursue joy? How would you answer? Can we pursue joy? You know, my response in that conversation was, we choose joy. We choose it. Yes, there's obviously times when the wind blows something good our way, and yes, we experience a flood of joy. But there's also, simply by being the children of God, the gift of joy from God. And that is something we can pursue in any circumstance. You know, just this past November, not long ago, we did a series on gratitude, being thankful when you're not feeling thankful. And it was out of this series that joy came as the word for the year for me. Because there was this, this experience in that series for me that we can pursue gratitude. We can make it a practice. We can foster it. And we don't just jump to joy, but we can develop it and pursue it. Perhaps you remember Brother David Steindl Rath's book, Gratefulness The Heart of Prayer, An Approach to Life in Fullness. In, in <clears throat> one of the talks that I gave in November, we talked about this how David, Brother David said that you can use your intellect to recognize the gift that life is. You can use your will to acknowledge it. And then you can use your feelings to appreciate it. You know, that we can practice gratitude. We can grow in it, get better at it, enjoy the benefits of it. We are not at the mercy of circumstances in life to just only merely experience joy when it blows our way. But we can benefit from the practice of fostering joy in our lives. Maybe you recall, Brother David grew up in Nazi-occupied Austria. You know, not a, not a circumstance anybody would want, but that was his situation, and in that is where he nurtured joy. Here's a quote we looked at back then about from Brother David. It says that when our intellect learns to recognize the gift aspect of the world, when our will learns to acknowledge it, our feelings to appreciate it, ever wider circles of mindfulness make our world come alive. You know, in choosing this word of the year as joy, we can't just say to ourselves, hey, be more joyful, put a smile on your face, everything is awesome, and ignore the difficulties, the hurts, the pains, the trials of our lives. You know, we can't just jump from sorrow over to joy and skip right to that. Instead, we need to go through a few steps to reach a true joy that's not just joy slapped on, but it's coming from deep within. So that first step is to see the sorrow and sadness in our lives, to see the way things are not the way they're supposed to be, and acknowledge them. And know that if we sweep it under the rug, it'll still be there. So David, Brother David, his first step in fostering gratitude is first we use our intellect to recognize that everything is gift. You know, and this might be as simple as just paying attention to all the things that are going right in our lives. And over these past couple months, I have noticed my attention and my intellect has been used to see that there is so much that is going right every moment, and I'm becoming more aware of it. And also, as I'm noticing in myself, when something goes wrong, I can feel how that consumes me. And I have to acknowledge and recognize that as well. And maybe set that aside and remember all that's going right. But first, we use our intellect to recognize the gift. And then second, we use our will to acknowledge it. You know, we have a choice. Because even though you recognize something, you can still reject it rather than receive it and bring it in to your life. To, to make the choice to receive the gift, and that life is a gift that we receive from God. We use our will to do that. Perhaps you remember this quote from Jerry Sitzer when he's talking about that in this life, we don't get to choose the pain that we have. Everybody's going to have pain. That's inevitable. But what we do get to choose is how we respond to it. And in his book, A Grace Disguised, um, Jerry writes this, that choice is therefore the key. We can run from the darkness, or we can enter into the darkness and face the pain of loss. We can indulge ourselves in self-pity, or we can empathize with others and embrace their pain as our own. We can run away from sorrow and drown it in addictions. Or we can learn to live with sorrow. We can nurse wounds of having been cheated in life. Or we can be grateful and joyful, even though there seems to be little reason for it. We can return evil for evil. Or we can overcome evil with good. It is the power to choose that adds dignity to our humanity and gives us the ability to transcend our circumstances, thus releasing us from living as mere victims. We use our will to choose to acknowledge the gift. And it is in this process as we use our intellect to recognize and then we use our will to acknowledge that we can then come to the third part about joy. We can't just jump to joy and slap it on there. We have to go through the work of acknowledging and recognizing and finally coming to the third part of fostering gratitude, which is using our feelings to appreciate that everything is a gift. You know, appreciation is the response of our feelings. You know, the test of gratitude in our our lives is when our feelings respond with joy. That's something we have to, like, Force or create, but we are responding with that joy. You know, and the feeling is not just a passing moment of feeling good because the sun is out and everything's going fine, but rather it's a much deeper feeling that transcends the circumstances to feel true joy when the circumstances are not good. You know, and these aren't just feelings you can drum up on your own or create. It's a feeling that comes from doing the work of using your intellect to recognize, using your will to acknowledge and to choose, and then your feelings respond. Joy is a choice. And this year, I choose joy. The way I want to implement joy in my life this year, at least one way, um, is in my morning routine. I've said before that I try to, in the morning, get out of bed, put my feet on the ground and say, good morning, God. I am here. You are here. Let's do today together. And I want to add to that routine also now. I choose joy. And by just putting it on my mind to remind myself that I choose joy, it's being intentional to choose to remind myself that God loves me. God's grace is available. God has a plan. God is active, and I'm moving toward him in that. It's also in choosing joy, I'm saying, okay, in my life, the choices I'm going to make today, I'm going to choose to live in obedience to God, to follow his ways, to live right, to pursue justice, to give mercy, because those are things that he teaches us to do. And alternatively, there's some things that I'm going to say no to. I'm going to choose not to do. I'm not going to choose a fleeting pleasure or a shortcut or an easy out. But I'm going to choose joy. Kind of a simple way to remind myself and to put joy into my life each day. And hey, 2019, we are celebrating 10 years here. Why not choose joy? And what will you choose this year? You know, maybe you have a different word in mind for your year ahead. But if you choose joy, what will you do? You know, how will you put joy into your life to remind yourself and to pursue joy and to experience God's joy for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy that is available to us, that you give us the ability to enjoy And I pray that you would make our joy abundant in 2019. Jesus, we know that for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. I pray that knowing your joy would help us endure whatever life has for us. Give us the strength of your grace to follow you, to receive your joy, and to give that back to others as a blessing to this world. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for guiding us in the path of life. Thank you for being our refuge. Now, may we take all those things and live them fully in 2019. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.